Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. If you could pick up uh, one of the church Bibles and uh, be turning to page uh, 1160. And uh, Philippa Lovell, one of our ministry trainees, is going to bring our reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, please uh, take a seat. And it's worth uh, turning back into your Bibles uh, to the passage Philippa read for us just before 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, Just uh, this week and next, we're having a look at uh, this passage here in 2 Corinthians 4, and then uh, we'll shift across to 5 next week. It's page 1160 of the Church Bibles, 1160, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, from verse 7 onwards. Well, uh, a new year is upon us in many ways, academic year. uh, Summer has been and gone, and it's been a good one at last. Uh, but now uh, everything starts. It's, it's almost as if uh, uh, one day passes and you turn the page of your diary and all of a sudden it's full again. Uh, so as another big year stretches out before us as a church family with so much on the agenda, uh, we've already heard uh, from Tamar earlier, uh, a passion for life is going to be uh, very much on the agenda for us as a church. We were part of uh, that mission week uh, a few years ago and there'll be one uh, in uh, March of 2014. That's going to be a big uh, event for us as a church. Uh, there is a reordering projects uh, bubbling away and we'll hear more about that. And then as uh, we turn into this new year, there are the manifold uh, ministries that we're involved in together as a church family. Uh, music ministry, uh, small groups uh, beginning in the next few weeks, internationals, toddlers, catering, new mums, students, youth and children clubs, uh, Friday club, and so much more. It promises to be another big, uh, busy year for us as a church family. And that's just uh, the ministry uh, we do together as a church family. Add to that our own families and all that uh, this next year will involve for us, uh, demands of uh, children, ageing parents, uh, 
carrying family burdens of different forms, uh, navigating difficult relationships. And then there's all else. There's work, there's friends, there's the communities we're a part of, there's our homes, our hobbies, the changes that will come on us this year. All of these uh, are the spheres where we live the Christian life. So let me ask you, with uh, all of that before you in uh, 2013 and 2014, how's your heart as you begin to embark on a new year, as you consider all that this year uh, has before you? Are you excited? Uh, Perhaps expectant? Or perhaps you uh, enter this new year, you turn the page of the diary and you're daunted or even downcast, uh, perhaps already frantic and it's only a few days uh, into the year or frustrated. And perhaps you look at this uh, year coming and think, you know, this year is going to be different. Uh, Last year was uh, exhausting. Last year I was stretched well beyond uh, my capacity. Last year there were all sorts of plates spinning in the air and I almost spun out. Last year the demands of the Christian life pushed you well beyond your resources. Uh, You feel along the way you almost lost yourself. Uh, Buried under seemingly endless demands. uh, Forever people asking too much of you too often and you barely made the summer intact. And so as the new demanding year stretches out before you, perhaps you've made a plan for how this year will be different. Uh, This year there will be less trouble. Uh, This year will be a less taxing year than the one before it. I'll protect my life better. Uh, I won't be so stretched. I won't arrive at the end of the year empty, but with life very much intact. I mean, that's the way it should be, shouldn't it? And last year, perhaps for you, was crazy and over-involved. This year will be safe, sensible. Yes? Sound like a good plan? Well, 2 Corinthians 4 says no. Now have a look with me at uh, Paul's words in verse 11. See his plan for the year ahead. Verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Now there's Paul's pattern, his plan for the year, always being given over to death. Now we who are alive, he says in verse 11, we who, if you go back to verse 6 of this chapter, we who through the gospel of Jesus Christ have come to life, new life. We who heard the word of Jesus, the one who loved us so much that he gave himself over to death for us. We who heard that word and saw there on the cross of Christ the very glory of our God revealed to us. And we who heard and believed his gospel have surrendered our old life and received from him new life, a life where we follow him, the one who loved us and gave himself to death for us, for my life, for your life. And so as we look at verse 11 here, when when Paul says we who are alive, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about us. And so look again at the plan for the year. We who are alive are always being given over to death. What does that mean, given over to death? Well, it means we who follow Jesus Christ this year are living life on a path that is marked by suffering, are marked by sacrifice, by cost. That's the path he walked and we're following him. Costs of many forms, relationship costs, financial costs, family, time, energy, emotions, comfort. We who are alive are always being given over to death. Did you hear that? Always. 
Uh, Paul's not saying uh, to us uh, as he writes 2 Corinthians 4, wow, last year that was crazy. Everything got out of hand. I, I was too overcommitted. And this year will be different. No. We who are alive are always being given over to death. And I reckon as we read that, this plan for the year ahead, we want to wriggle out from under it perhaps. Maybe that's just Paul's experience. Maybe he had a hard lot and that's not my lot. But remember what he's doing as an apostle. At its simplest, he is following Christ crucified. That's what he tells us. And our job is to line up with him on that path. It's what he says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Simply put this way, he says, follow me, says Paul, as I follow Christ. And so Paul here this morning has perhaps interrupted our plans for a safe 2013-14 and says, here's the plan for the year ahead. We who are alive in Jesus are always going to be given over to death. Now let me ask you this morning, if that's the normative experience of a genuine follower of Jesus, if that's what normal Christian life is like, Well, if so, then I think our passage today is of great help to us because it's going to answer two crucial questions that I think hang in the air if that's the plan for the year ahead. Here they are. How can I possibly live that sort of life year after year? And perhaps even more importantly, why would I want to? (laughs) Let's look at those two questions together. Firstly, how can I live this life of being given over to death? Uh, The passage for us has two answers. Here's the first of them. It's in verses 13 and 14. You can live a life of being given over to death because you wholeheartedly believe in the resurrection. The reality is you will not be able to endure life uh, of being handed over to death unless you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from death and that he will raise you too. In verses 13 and 14, Paul uh, takes us back to Psalm 116, where King David praises God for rescuing him from the cords of death. And what Paul declares in these verses, he says, what is true for David is true for us. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, he says, how much more? If you remember that wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians where he declares to us the certainty of the resurrection of Jesus, I saw him myself. Paul says, we know the truth of the resurrection and so he is willing to enter each year of the Christian life planning to be given over to death because he knows the reality of the resurrection and so let me say to you uh, to not lose heart this year with all that will be asked of you as a follower of Jesus you need to know with all your heart that Jesus your king was raised and so will you be raised completely and bodily raised from death. To not lose heart this year, you need to know that Jesus, your king, was raised, and when you are raised, you will be with him. See that in these verses, in his presence. Consider the joy of that for a moment as you head out on this year. There is coming a day when you will be raised and you will be face to face with the one who loved you enough to lay down his life so that you could live for him. You'll be with him. To not lose heart this year, you need to know that Jesus, your king, was raised and when you are raised, you will be made new. That's what uh, verses 16 to 18 of our passage tell us. It says this, it says, all the trouble, all the exhaustion of this year and all the years that may follow, all the hits, all of that will be far outweighed by the substantially, gloriously good eternity he has planned for those who are alive in him. 
reality is we will not endure this year unless our eyes, the eyes of our heart are fixed on the resurrection, his and ours. And so let me say to you as you head out on this year, without such a focus, uh, here's how 2013 and 14 will go for you. You will risk very little. I mean, why would you? This is all there is. If this is life and this is all there is of life, then I will hold it tightly. I will play safe with it. I will not risk it. Uh, The American pastor Francis Chan has the illustration of the Christian life like that. It says it's a bit like being in the Olympics, in the gymnastics, and you're you're performing on the balance beam. And as the sort of the the winds and the hits start to come, you you, you get afraid. And rather than perform the routine that you had planned, you, you grip hold of the balance beam just for the entire routine, just lying down on it, gripping hold. And at the end of the routine, you leap off the balance beam and you you do that to the judge, expecting him to be impressed. Congratulations, you have lived the safest possible life. You have risked very little. You have never overstretched. Well done. Those of us who have resurrection hope, who know that because he raised Jesus from the dead, he will raise us, will risk much this year. Because in the end, there's no risk, is there? And in a few minutes, we'll see why we would want to take such risks. But there's the first answer to how we can live that life, because of the resurrection. Here's the second In verses 7 to 9, it is because of God's all-surpassing power. Have a look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. There's how. We have all-surpassing power within us from God Almighty Power to sustain us this year as we suffer. Power to keep us joyful as the costs mount up. Power to keep us firm in faith as the hits keep coming. God, by his mighty spirit within us, gives us power. And you see it on display in verses 8 and 9. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed by life, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. Uh, Four pairs, uh, the first half of which describe this experience of being given over to death for Paul and the second half shows the radical difference the power within us, the power of God makes. In each situation, Paul is well beyond his own resources and yet this battered pot of a man with cracks appearing everywhere, fault lines of exhaustion and grief and opposition, somehow he holds together. It's easy, I reckon, to look at verses 8 and 9 and be a little bit discouraged. Paul looks like a a super Christian, sort of a robot Christian. No matter what happens, he just keeps moving forward. And we can look at that and think, I can't possibly do that. I don't know about you, but I get knocked down by the slightest harsh word or setback. This is the guy who walked into Lystra and was stoned almost to death and then got back up and walked back in to preach the gospel. This is super Christian. And I reckon it's not just Paul that we think that way about. We can look around a church family like this and we look at some Christians who seem to have it all together, seem to be doing so much and willing to do even more and you think, hey, I'm struggling to keep my little part of contribution to this church family together. I can't even do that and look at them. Let alone my family and my work and all the other pressures on me. I can't do what they do. They're lauded as superheroes. I'm weak and puny. What's being asked of me here for this year? Well, it's just not in me. 
Now, if that's you, they seem to be able to do it, but it's not in me. If that's you, then, well, let me say you've got things half right. It's not in you. It's really not. So don't even pretend. But it's not in them either. Our God, as we see here in our passage, works through weakness. He will not have it any other way. God works through battered, broken clay pots. And if you look around this church family and you think there are superheroes here, then you've missed what's going on. I've had the privilege over the years we've been here of serving alongside many in our church family, many and some of whom seem from a distance to be so perfect, so high-performing. But that's from a distance. Get close enough and in the muck of life together, you'll see the cracks. You'll see the fault lines of exhaustion and frustration and disappointments. You'll see tricky families. You'll see hard pressures. You'll see poor health. I could tell so many stories of that in our family. Let me, let me tell you just one in our church family. I think of a lady in our church family who from a distance is a mighty woman. She is immense as a Christian. Capacity to sort of visit people and encourage them with the gospel is, is incredible. But get close enough and you see substantial burdens of ill health. The sort of ill health that should leave her just at home doing nothing. Seriously debilitating health. Get close enough and there is absolutely no doubt where the power comes from. Now this church family is full of clay pots. And we must stop thinking that some of those around us are the, the fine china of this house. They're not. Now you're not looking close enough. Now we were speaking of that, uh, this as a staff team on Wednesday and one of, the, one of the teams spoke of a friend who again he put in this category the sort of super Christian and doing so much ministry, so many different responsibilities and a really difficult family life. Seemed to have it all together and ready to do more. Anyway, he asked him, how do you do it mate? How do you stay on top of things all the time? And the answer he got back was this, there are times I stand under the shower at night and weep at the edge of breaking and think I can't do this again tomorrow and we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all surpassing power is from God and not from us and so don't look at Paul and think wow he's just a clay pot look at Paul and be encouraged at the start of this year as you prepare to be given over to death again because the the same God that was at work in Paul is your God The same God who had power to raise his son from death. He can sustain you. And as you're given over to death, as the costs mount up, you don't have to be stoic this year. Don't have to pretend everything is easy and serene. Perhaps perhaps that's our problem. Perhaps we're too proud to say we're struggling. Paul doesn't do that. Verse 8 and 9, he lays it out there for us. And back in chapter 1, he said in terms of his ministry, I despaired even of life. He doesn't pretend, and so we shouldn't. But we do trust God as we follow him and as the path of following him leads well beyond the borders of our safety and self-sufficiency, we know he will keep us. In the end, the Christian life is not about you overcoming obstacles, you being the best you, you can be this year, you being strong. You're not the point at all, you see. The Christian life is about God's power so at work in your weakness and your lack that it is obvious to all around that there is only one hero. His name is Jesus. 
So there's the how question, and more briefly, here's the second question. Why would we live that life? Why does God call us to follow his son into that pattern? Is it some sort of cruel, pointless fate? No, far from it. Have a look at verse 10. Here's the first answer to the why question. Death is at work in us to bring about life in us. Verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And following Jesus means your life is meant to look like his life. And we're supposed to display Jesus by how we live. And I reckon we kind of like the idea of that. I want to be joyful as Jesus is joyful. I, I want to be kind like he's kind. I want to be peaceful as he's peaceful. Do you want to suffer as he suffered? Now verse 10 says this, the death of Jesus is part of the life of Jesus. Want to display Christ's likeness this year? He bids you come and die with me. Now you cannot have full fellowship with Christ without sharing in his sufferings. I reckon this is profound, isn't it? We're touching, I think, on the very heart of what life is about this year or any year. Now there is some aspect of the life of Jesus, some part of Christ in you that can only be seen in the midst of being given over to death, can only be seen in situations where nothing but the power of Christ can sustain you. And if you and I never suffer, never take the costs that are in front of us, if we hold back, if we try to insulate our lives from that, it sounds good, doesn't it? A trouble-free Christian life, no illness, no aging parents, no struggles at work, no exhaustion in ministry, no being beyond myself, no pressure, no setbacks. Then you will have a life where the all-surpassing power of God is completely hidden. It's all about you. We can't see what Jesus is like in such a life. We can't see that he is more precious to you than life itself unless you are handed over to death for his sake. Now this sounds back to front, doesn't it? But if you've seen this up close, you'll know what I'm talking about, what Paul is saying here. You've seen in those situations the very life of Jesus revealed in someone who is being given over to death. Again, I could give you countless examples from our church family. I think of a a man who is, uh, well, my hero in this church family. He's now with the Lord. I know I said we're not meant to have heroes, but if, if there was one, he'd be the one. His name is Ken. And burned into my memory is visiting him on his deathbed in hospital. A man more alive than any of us because he was so sure of that resurrection. So confident in his God carrying him. You ever seen something like that? That's where you see the life of Jesus displayed in death. I think perhaps of a, a smaller example but just as important. And it's played out again and again in our church family of a, of a couple that I met with about four or five years ago. Hard pressed at the time. Uh, ill health in the family especially with the children lots going on for them and at that point in time I suggested to them the virtues of taking on a small group crazy decision and they did it they're still doing it and year after year day after day I've seen the likeness of Jesus growing exponentially in their lives as they have stretched even further for him When wholehearted hope in Jesus is on display in the midst of great cost, it is a privilege to witness. It's a miracle, isn't it? A heart sustained by his gracious power alone. It's at moments like that we get to watch the the burdens that people are carrying turn to their wonder as they see that God carries them through it. Here's the second answer to why. 
Verse 12, why do we do this? Give ourselves over to death. Death is at work in us to bring about life in others. Such a simple verse. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. There is the glorious pattern of the gospel. It is what this church family is built on. King Jesus gave himself over to death to bring you life. And now you who are alive are given over to death to bring life to others in him. That's the cause that you were swept up in when you came to him in faith. Now we may wish for another way. We'd like it if people could see Jesus as Lord in our lives and as Saviour in our lives at no cost to us. That sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? Lord, let me be as much benefit to you as possible at no cost to me. Sign me up for that. We may even pray that for this year ahead as Jesus himself prayed for another way in the Garden of Gethsemane, but the answer he received remains the same. There is no other way. And so verse 12, death is at work in us so that life is at work in others. As you minister to others in this place at great and increasing cost, as you risk losing face this year with a passion for life, living and speaking for Jesus, as you risk perhaps financial lack by increasingly sacrificial giving in this place to grow the work here, Risk being increasingly out of step with the values of the world around you. Death at work in you, life in others. Now here is a glorious pattern of the gospel. Death at work in us so that life in others can be. Again, there'd be so many stories I could tell you. You've perhaps got your own of seeing that. People giving themselves over to death for others. I can think of a couple that I met with again a number of years ago. I remember at the time saying to them, your problem with the ministry that you're taking on is you keep taking on big long-term commitments and that's brilliant, but you're full. You can't take any more. Well, last Sunday night I was back with them asking them to take on yet another role, pushing them even further beyond their resources. A ministry that will be of huge benefit to us as a church family and beyond this church family. Death at work in them, life in us. I think of a family uh, in our church family just this week who waved goodbye to their son and his family to a remote mission field. Death at work in their family, life in others. Well, consider the reordering project that you'll hear more of in these coming uh, weeks and months where we will be called to be stretched financially as a church family so that the this infrastructure for ministry in this place can grow. Perhaps some of us will never see the fruit of that. Uh, 50 years from now, there'll be people sharing the gospel in the buildings that we build together. Death in us, life in others. Well, as we close, let me finish with one final uh, reason why, and it is where this is all heading. Death is at work in us, verse 15, to bring overflowing glory to God so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Together as we meet this year, the cost of throwing ourselves into gospel ministry more and more as the grace of that flows out to others, so will thanksgiving and praise and glory to God in ever increasing measure. And so 2013-14, how's your heart? And what's your plan for the year ahead? Will you lose heart? and play it safe and secure within the borders of your comfort? Or will you dare to heed the call of your king, the man of sorrows, to come out with him into deeper waters well beyond yourself where death is at work in you for Jesus' sake, that life may be at work in you and in others for his glory in this church, this city and this world?
Are you up for that this year? Is it in you? Of course it's not. But that, my brothers and sisters, that's what makes you fit for purpose. Well, let's pray. And Father God, we thank you so much for the glorious gospel and the path the gospel sets us on as we come to your son in repentance and faith, as he bids us follow him. And we thank you for this glorious cause of life in us and in others for your glory. Uh, Please strengthen our hearts by uh, your power to live for you this year. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.